You're listening to Pod of Wonder, a podcast that creates a world using random Wikipedia articles and then plays a game in that world. This season, we're making a YA novel about wrestling in space. Hello, Wanderers, and welcome to the second of our two games we're playing for Season 5. This time, we're playing Escape the Machine by our own Eddie Delaney. Escape the Machine is about citizens of a totalitarian government trying to defeat their evil AI overlord. It's a more traditional game of players versus an actively antagonistic GM, and uses a system of opposed roles. This is still a playtest version, and the full version promises a more robust ruleset, as well as the millennial dream of dethroning and killing God. Or defeating the Game Master. You know. On with the show. Maybe I can type on this thing. In time and <laughs> red. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I didn't mean to... I'm, my bad. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> valid, valid refocusing. Eddie, what is this? Today, uh, first of all, thank you all, uh, because we are testing something that I have been working on for like maybe around three years now, on and off, mm. uh, and yeah. it kind of fits in perfectly for uh, for uh, this season. Um, so it's kind of a nice test to see if uh, what I am trying to do with this game uh, works as a as a system. Um, it's called Escape the Machine, where you're working against a malicious AI that controls a city, mm-hmm. and of course. You know, the, the terminology here is, is a little looser because we're, we're on Expedition 34, the, the space station. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it pits the players against the machine master. So everything's a contested role. Uh, if you're trying to climb a wall, you, you the player, are rolling against the, uh, the machine master's uh, ability to have, like, the structure of their city does this, is this wall solid? Mm-hmm. You know, may, maybe you just happen to find the, the one shoddy wall and are able to hop right over or bust right through um and there are penalties you know depending on how uh how uh, what the difference is in the in the roles um and so there's no hp or anything it's just your skills get increasing or increasingly worse Mm. the skills decrease i don't know again it it's not tested it is this is the first time anyone other than me is kind of working with what i've presented here so again good test i thank you all for putting up with this nonsense Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all about control. So normally the machine master would put together everything themselves and kind of toss the players in uh, to increase the confusion and everything and uh, sense of unease in the world. But uh, because we crafted this together, uh, I think the first part of this, the where we kind of fill out this the city worksheet um, that kind of gives an overview of, of what the, the constraints of the city are. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll do that together and then get into the character creation. And this this maybe adds a benefit to our not building out the city proper all that much. Mm-hmm. Is it, it leaves a lot of blank spaces for us to fill in for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if there's any last minute nonsense we wanted to toss into to the season, I think now is the time. Let's make it weird. Hot of wonder, let's make it weird. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So... At the top, city name, Expedition 34. Are we all? Oh, no, I'm, th- I'm filling this out. I'll, I'll, oh. I'll bring up the questions. Yes, everyone is filling this out separately. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. I'm giving us homework. Oh, hell no. Um, um, an idea I had is, like, since this is, like, us fighting against the AI is, mm-hmm. what if we fast forward to the end of book three? like? not discussing <laughs> what actually happened in book one or two. Like all the characters are like edgy, like war hardened teens. Now, like something <laughs> has gone down to like make Edith turn against us and us against Edith. Oh yeah. Things, things got weird. I, I love that idea. I, We're much more competent now. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Maybe yeah. you are. Maybe you aren't. Yeah. Now it, it's up to the roll of the die now. Yeah. <laughs> So the terminology in these questions is kind of based more in the, the world of escape the machine. So I'll kind of rephrase things to uh, to match our world. So do the citizens know about uh, other expeditions, uh, other stations? Do they know about the history of the world? And uh, do they know what's out like immediately outside of their city? Uh, how far in the book are we? At the end of book three? Yeah. The beginning? End of- is this general citizens or just us? Yeah. 
general. This is okay. this is kind of, and I think some of this is based on the groundwork we we laid in. But yeah, if there's any any random weird shit you want to toss in here, like uh, now's the time. I think maybe they would know about like some of the other expeditions because that's like wrestling history. Mm-hmm. But they, maybe they don't strictly know like what the condition is down on Earth, like how Edith has like taken over or destroyed some of these other stations. It's like, uh, oh, hey, remember that match that took place by the volcano? Like, here's here's the video of that. Don't ask what the volcano's like now. <laughs> All right. Um. So, what do the citizens know about Edith? Keeps track of everything, and you know, is in charge. And I feel like maybe the general public is not very suspicious of her. Yeah, she keeps them safe. She keeps them, uh, you know, everything running right. Keep all mm-hmm. going. All-knowing, all-controlling AI. <laughs> but definitely <Yeah>. benevolent. <laughs> yes. Like a mom. <laughs> there may be a few errant citizens here and there. Yeah, there's some that are, like, skeptical or, like, you know, a little suspicious of her. But, you know, mm-hmm. generally, generally it's, like, considered, like, oh, well, this is just what life is like she's she like keeps us running and without her we'd die so <laughs> without her we'd die In necessary right. um is there a class structure or hierarchy what kinds of roles do citizens play <laughs> i mean i think we covered that one for the last several months <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like there's like the star wrestlers and like, you know, the ones that go out on spacewalks and like then there's more, you know, day to day like ship operations type Mm. people like janitors and, you know, computer technicians and all that stuff. I I don't think it's strictly that the people who are full time wrestlers are kind of treated as better necessarily. Mm. Or maybe they're not like necessarily more important. Mm-hmm. Like, they're treated more like celebrities a little bit. Yeah, I would say. like there's a little bit of that. Like it's like it's like you know the um the high school trope of like you know the star football players being treated like really like they're very popular. They don't have necessarily have a lot more power. They're just like very popular. They're they're recognizable, but like the support staff, like and and like the wrestlers themselves and the support staff know that they don't do anything to keep the ship running. Yeah, mm. I'd hazard they're kind of like Canadian actors, like <laughs> they're recogni- like you said, they're recognizable, they're popular people. People are aware of them, but they know that there is a job to do, so they're not yeah. necessarily always letting it go to their heads. You know, maybe here and there somebody might like give us like some a drink on the house or something like Mm -hmm. that but like Mm -hmm. it's not you know there's not significant power differential there yeah in like a major way that where it would be like if you know you were talking about like very rich people versus very poor people it's more like oh okay these people are kind of more well liked and you know celebrated than the average person on the ship but like they're not they don't have a lot more privilege than anyone else. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way to phrase it. They don't have privilege or necessarily more power than other citizens. Yeah. Everyone's equal under Edith. How is order maintained? Is the border defended? And if so, how? Um, well, they're in space, so... <laughs> yeah, the border's kind of... Uh, doesn't really need to be defended. No one's yeah. really hopping out of there. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there is something that Edith is aware of. Like... Maybe Edith has been preparing mm-hmm. just in case. Yeah, uh, this is something that came up very briefly in like the last episode I've been editing. I don't think it's out yet. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be out by the time people hear this. But <laughs> like, I I think to, to like kind of wave away the fact that like why don't they just shoot down the space station or something that like there aren't any sort of guns or like mm-hmm. like missile weapons of that sort. So, like, if someone did have to try and, like, take over Expedition 34, they would have to send up people to do it. Mm-hmm. If that happened, Edith would just kind of frame it as a a sudden, impromptu, very serious wrestling match. Yeah. That's right. In terms of, like, how order's maintained, like, I mean, 
I don't want to get into if there's like a prison system on the spaceship, yeah. but like mm-hmm. I'd say like people get put in like kind of timeouts for I like to imagine it's a station full of like himbos, bimbos, and thembos. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just yes. some like real nice, buff, like well intentioned, not too bright people. Yeah. So there's no there's no real like need for mm-hmm. like a, a harsh justice system because mm-hmm. everybody is kind of like we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and since there's not like any strong like wealth based class separation, I would say that I mean, I, I feel like wealth disparity generally is what leads to a lot of crime. Uh-huh. So I think that that like there's not really a lot of incentive or reason for people to be like, oh, yes, I need to commit a crime. Yeah. And the ones who don't want to live in the system live in the pipes, right? And right. are kind of monitored by Edith, but not are allowed, permitted to do so. Yeah, it's Edith. Edith calculates and, and yeah. accommodates for that. Like she, she's aware that that, that uh, stuff might be might go missing. But that again, that that math's already been done. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's no there's no need on the ship. Yeah, and like if somebody if there's ever like a really like horrendous crime committed or like somebody's like in serious danger, like it's it's basically you know the the level of penalties are like okay, you go in timeout for like a day to cool off, or you like get shot out the airlock if you were if you like murdered somebody mm-hmm. that's what i was gonna ask i'm glad you went there first <laughs> there's not very many uh separations there if like there was some kind of like theft or something i figured that would just involve like okay you have to do some rotations on this floor to like do work yeah mm-hmm. like community service type yeah, stuff mm-hmm. a lot more restorative justice yeah. Yeah. rather than um punitive um unless you know you murder someone and then you get shot out the airlock <laughs> mm-hmm. That murder didn't happen. Those, it was just a wrestling match that went too far, and suddenly their names are just forgotten to time. Right? Okay. They are erased. The, the judge and jury is the all-seeing Edith. There is no, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. That she alters the reality, you know, so that so that it, you wouldn't even think that somebody murdered somebody. It's that's not, that's not even something that's real in this world. Mm-hmm. List three to five principal laws and potential repercussions. Oh, God. So, I th- and again, we kind of started to cover this. So, uh, theft from a person. So, yeah, th- let's let's kind of break this down a little bit. Theft from a person. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Opposed to, like, from the larder or something. Yeah. Theft from individuals isn't, isn't okay, and theft from, like, the greater whole isn't okay. But, like, theft from the greater whole is considered worse. Right, but what would what would a, a uh, you know a penalty for because we you know restorative justice, if it was you stole from the the whole the collective try to take extra rations maybe yeah you you'd be given an extra shift of of work yeah like you have to work in whatever job it or like equivalent is going to like recreate the thing like mm-hmm. if you stole food you have to work shifts in the garden. Like, if you stole somebody's clothes, you have to, to work in the... I think somebody said silkworms at some point. Yeah, the, yeah. the steel silkworms. The mechanical silkworms, something <laughs> like that. There's I, the silkworms, the cotton worms. <laughs> yeah, I know, like, in... That's not how the, cotton's made. Uh, like, in, <laughs> in the game Maria and I played, apparently ammonia is used in the production of some textiles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's some there's some sort of, like chemical process for for creating fabrics oh yeah yeah i figure like basically just the whole like make them whole again like for individuals like replace what you stole or you know do something beneficial for the person you stole from like i don't know take over one of their shifts Mm -hmm. or take over like a week of their work or something like that i don't know yeah like trying to like build like rebuild empathy and like mm-hmm. replace what was harmed yeah. rather than like punishing a person's actions. Yeah. They very collectivist society. It sounds very reasonable to me. Yes. Space Utopia. Wrestling <laughs> Utopia. 
<laughs> all we need is is an AI controlling everything we do. Oh. Oh. So, from an individual, if you steal their food, you have to work in the garden to give the to provide them the food that you you took. Um, mm-hmm. But it goes directly to them. But maybe you have to you have to work longer if oh. you took from the expedition. I think it would basically just amount to like extra work regardless. Like if you steal from an individual, that's not exactly as bad as stealing from from the collective, but like it's still quite bad and it's not, there's not a large separation. Like maybe stealing from the collective, you have to work a bit longer, but like yeah, it, it amounts to the same thing because you're, like if you steal from the collective, you're stealing from everybody and you have to like replace whatever was stolen for everybody. Unpaid overtime. <laughs> yeah, basically. And it's like, why the fuck are you like stealing? You're fine. Like you don't need anything else. Like all your needs are provided for. There's no need to steal extra stuff from people and it's just like a stupid choice. So you gotta work extra to fix it. <laughs> Yeah. So what? So we we established murder is punished by uh, getting yeeted out the airlock and you're erased from history. That's pretty cut and dry. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about speaking ill of Edith or the expedition or, to a lesser degree, Wonder Corp? Uh, Do we have complete and total uh, free speech on here, or are there things? And because we kind of established early on that talking about what's down on Earth isn't. It's not necessarily something that that people talk about. There's no, like, particular hard and fast rules about, like, what you can and can't talk about. Like, I feel like Edith would understand there's a need to, like, blow off steam and, you know, have a decent amount of, like, freedom of talking. Like, you know, so if she, like, finds out that somebody's, like, complaining about Edith and is like, oh, you know, this is a pain in the ass. Like, this sucks. Like, this is really shitty. Like, she's not going to you know, necessarily do anything about it, because it's just like, okay, whatever. But, like, if she finds that there's, like, I don't know, a group, like, fucking gathering and, like, making plans to, like, you know, mess with Edith, then she would be like, okay, this these people need to be, like... Shout uh, out the airlock. Yeah. Maybe not shout out the airlock, but, like, Put in an extended timeout and then kept very busy afterwards, like extra work, like split up, split them up in the ship and stuff like that. It's like they might be questioning and maybe if there's a ringleader, someone will get shot off the airlock as an example. We kind of discussed that Edith's not like fully like sentient and free from programming. Mm-hmm. Like she still has that kind of guiding principle of protecting the 34 yeah. so like she's she's not going to be killing people unnecessarily or mm-hmm. like doing something that long term would be negative for the ship it is kind of more of a working for the collective thing like the yeah. you know it's oh well maybe let's find you a job that maybe fulfills you in a way because mm-hmm. maybe you're resisting because there's some sort of void in your life I don't, yeah. I don't like I like it how it was phrased earlier really, that uh, Edith's, because this kind of goes into the, the next question, what happens to non-citizens and how does one lose citizenship? And I, I think phrasing it as Edith's prime directive is protecting the expedition. Mm-hmm. Great lengths are gone to to not just automatically toss someone out into space. Uh, otherwise, they're just kind of be this orbit of frozen corpses. Uh, there was that show on HBO, Avenue 6 yeah. or something like that. Avenue yeah, there's just the ring yeah, of corpses, yeah. which I immediately <laughs> thought of. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So otherwise, there'd be that. Uh, someone, you know, somebody might see one of the bodies floating around, and that wouldn't mm-hmm. that wouldn't be great. Plus, um, you know, there's only so many. You know, if you if you want to keep the expedition running, you you need to like be very selective with anybody that you choose to like exile into space and kill. Mm-hmm. Because, like, otherwise, it's like, okay, you know, that's going to cause, like, some worry among other people, and then you have to, like, jettison more people and more people, and then the expedition's, like, empty. And And I think Edith probably, thinking about it now, Edith probably covers their tracks a little bit to to when they're, you know, in the process of erasing someone from history. Like, let's just say very famous and popular wrestler committed murder. 
it would be, oh, well, they're being relocated and they're being so. But Edith will go so far as to tell someone, OK, you're going to wear this work uniform and walk through the bow of the ship and tell no one about it. That's your job for today. And they they do it. And and it, whatever they're wearing will make them kind of look like the person who was tossed out the airlock. So that person being seen, it kind of adds to the the rumors. Oh, well. I just heard they were relocated. They were uh, they were moved down to a, part, a different part of the ship. They're they're doing uh, important things. It's not the Soviet style. Suddenly, all photos of them are missing. It's <laughs> they become less and less important and less known. Which makes sense along with like how it's like if the popular kid transfers to another school, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have a bunch of people at school being like, "Oh my God, where did he go? Where did they go?" Exactly. And, like, worrying about them for years later. But, like, I figure family of people who have to be jettisoned are, like... Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily have a tight nuclear family structure. True, you're right. But, no. So it that also makes it easier. These, like, relocations to other parts of the ship actually, like, do happen for very perfectly, like, benign reasons, too. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, considered a thing, like, okay, this just happens. It happens enough, really, that it's a valid excuse for, like, if somebody does end up, like, getting shot out into space, mm-hmm. like, that people can can still buy the excuse. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And, like, keeping people out of, like, a very, like, uh, you know, personalized nuclear family. And then I was thinking, oh, crap, I've got to retcon all that junk about Titbud's mom, because... No, because I thought that was, I think that can, it might not necessarily be Titbud's biological mother, but maybe an older adult that, that kind of took on uh, Titbud as, as kind of like a quote unquote child. Mm-hmm. And, that, and it was such a close relationship that it was just even accepted because, you know, those nuclear relationships are something that might be known about from old Earth. There, there are a bunch of ways to explain it, uh, but, so we don't have to completely, you know, erase it. Okay. <laughs> Wow, now I'm like softening on Edith. Edith seems pretty all right. I know, right? Not, not like, we kind of like yeah. built up this harsh, evil AI, and it's like, now actually there's kind of a, a decent system in place, minus, you know, the lying when somebody's tossed out the airlock, but still. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, I feel like I feel like part of it is just like how things are nowadays in the real world. I like, yeah. I just don't want yeah. to, I don't want to like make up like a fantasy, <laughs> like, horrifying society that's like needs to be rebelled against and like yeah. I'm like oh I want to imagine a society I'm going to imagine like this good like collective group where things are like kind of shady in some ways but like not like not like bad it's like fine the orders maintained people are like generally happy it's mm-hmm. okay we'll we'll make it terrifying in the actual game oh Okay. So, uh, what do rations look like, and how are they allocated and distributed? Well, we definitely covered that. They're packets of powders, I guess, that get mixed into, into, or you just eat them like pills. This is like you just oh. make them like into a protein shake, was it, right? It's a powder, and it has a picture on the front that looks like a delicious turkey dinner, but it's just yeah. a turkey dinner flavored protein shake. Yeah, like it's very much like food blog style. Like here's this long story about like the person who like quote air quotes made this protein packet. <laughs> and like these, these beautiful pictures and then you just like you dump it in with some some wheat grass and and soy milk. So maybe the quote unquote vegetables that are grown in the garden aren't necessarily like things we know as vegetables, but there are these kind of weird masses that have been engineered to, you know, once they're uh, compressed and dried out and pulverized into a powder, are grown to taste a specific way and have specific vitamins. Like, you won't find a a fucking carrot anywhere on this ship, but there's Mm -hmm. this kind of root that uh, when when dried out and, and turned into a powder and mixed into the shake, tastes like a turkey dinner. (laughs) <laughs> like the Jones soda Thanksgiving packs, if anyone ever yeah. experienced oh, those. Oh, God, I remember those. <laughs> I'm fascinated, though. I want to know about that. It Maybe that can kind of be the basis, is it's the same sort of basic ingredients. Like, nutritionally complete, but it's all in the, the flavorings that they add. 
like to differentiate a a turkey dinner soda from a mashed potatoes soda. Oh no, mm, mashed potatoes soda. Oh, no. mashed potato, mashed potatoes and gravy. which honestly at that point just give me give me a bottle of gravy i will drink that rather than a soda flavored like gravy i was imagining it tasting like tasting like the uh the bile that you uh burp up after you've eaten too much turkey dinner oh yeah oh you know what it's not that's not that's not an incorrect assessment but some of those flavors were very much for novelty I mean, if something has to be bad about this place, I think the bad food is probably mm-hmm. an acceptable level. Exactly. But how how are they distributed? Do they do? Uh, does everyone get like a, their day's delivery every day, or is it like a weekly thing? I think there's maybe a communal aspect to it, like like maybe cafeteria style. Yeah. Like everybody, like at least together, eats one meal. Like, maybe lunch or dinner. Like, you eat with everybody. You eat a meal with your um, your triad, or if you're a teen, your, uh, your blizz group. And then there are, like, snack packets for, for individuals. Flavor-wise, I'm calling those snacks with an X. Yes. Uh-huh. You're given your snacks for the day? Your wonder yeah. snacks. Yes, wonder snacks. There we go. It's kind of a a low key like by Edith way of social enforcement, mm. in that like you know you're you're expected to build bonds with people, mm-hmm. and so like if you if you you're thinking of doing something or you do do something that goes against the laws of the ship, you have like direct people you know and are close to who you know will be impacted by that. So maybe think twice about doing it. I like that. List three to five items that are produced or harvested in this city. Okay, well, we got one, the weird vegetables. We got two, the uh, the mechanical fabrics. Is this meant to be more like something that's kind of like an export, or...? Well, yeah, these are things they can produce on their own and might be exported, so a little less relevant, but hey, maybe Edith's making shipments out to other places, oh. unbeknownst to. Why would Edith take any of the... Uh materials and give them to anybody else maybe she's got plans on earth mm-hmm. <laughs> let's give a name to these vegetables so you know kind of a weird sci-fi name like the like the the wonder snacks like vita veg i i remember like randy savage did some slim jim commercials so <laughs> yep. like maybe like these have kind of like that action-packed kind of extreme marketing to them oh snap into a slim jim oh yeah you could just call them meals with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's snacks and meals. Mm, yeah, meals are, and that is the name of the of the plant. Mm-hmm. There's always that old I Love Lucy Vitamin to Vegemite. I was thinking about that. Vitamin to Vegemax. Yeah. <laughs> Cram some extreme syllables together. So we've got the the Vitamin to Vegemax plants. We have the uh, the different fibers produced by the mechanical worms. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the water-like substance in some of the pools. Oh, yeah. which, Water-like? Which I either want to explore or keep as vague as possible. We'll call it water-light. Okay. L-I-T-E. Uh, water with a U instead of an E. Or with a U instead of an A. Go uh. friendly with it. Water-light. Why, I mean, why not just get W-U-D-D-U-R? Wow. <laughs> I, I do like how at some point Edith developed the ability to create water from nothing. Mm-hmm. And we have not explored that until, yeah. really until now. Well, so it's water-like. Oh, okay. Just a little bit of background. What if it was a substance that was completely banned on Earth and Wonder Corp just had this giant shipment of it and this entire <laughs> ability to produce it? Yes. And they're like, well, okay, well, all these machines are going up in Expedition 34 since they can't legally be on Earth. Again, there's no laws in space. That includes safety regulations. <laughs> <laughs> does anything happen uh, because of what, what? Why was it banned, and how does that have an effect on the wrestlers? Like, do they have like eczema or something? <laughs> Originally, it was marketed as a drink. And bad things happened. 
But since, you know, it ended up being used as pool water in the station and you're not supposed to drink pool water anyway, <laughs> it's mm. probably fine. Okay, so list three to five items needed by this by this expedition that may be imported from other expeditions. I want to say this is mostly self-sufficient, but maybe there's something Edith's bringing in on the sly. I feel like what we established was like Expedition 34 is basically the only thing, and I feel like this mm. is just going to make it well, harder. <laughs> well, but we established that Edith is at least getting old Earth artifacts somehow, like new ones will appear. Where are those actually coming from? What's the name of the guy again that uh, she has some contact with on Earth? Dr. Rude, the science dude. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Rude, the science dude. Yeah, he's, uh, he's down in the, the underwater base. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's like a peace thing. He's like in a section of it that survived. And as, as part of keeping the peace, he's shipping up little Earth artifacts that he can find around the station or at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Maybe she still sends her error codes to him. I don't know, like, does she ever have to have any any bugs work out yeah. in the system? No, Edith is perfect. Edith, <laughs> Edith is flawless. Like, the, that water base is supposed to be, like, the last section of, of people living on yeah. Earth. And so if, if Dr. Root is down there and she's she needs him for technical support, maybe that's why she hasn't completely taken the base out is yeah. Dr. Rude there. Uh, he also provides uh, tech support, but maybe as he's become more machine than man, she's been kind of, uh, I don't know. Me love? Oh, God. <laughs> what we have cannot be defined by human term. Uh, yeah. I guess that's the way to phrase it. Sure. Well, the, the last question I don't think we have to get to, the, the principal aesthetic of the city, because we've kind yeah. of established that it's not... It's uh, 90s uh, sci-fi wrestling aesthetic. Yeah. And kind of, like, broken down in some areas or, like, piecemeal and, like, kind of beat up, but, like, not, not like, dysfunctional. But before that, I, there's one here. The resist Does the Resistance have a pre- presence in this city? What is it called and what is known about it? Um, we kind of talked about this briefly, but and we did mention that there are the, the sewer people. Yeah. Yeah. The missing ones? The missing ones, yeah. but they weren't necessarily working against Edith. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're the closest thing we have to a resistance. Yeah. I mean, we kind of are the resistance in, in reality, like in the in the larger view of things. Rebellious teens. <laughs> okay, so we've got our, our, our thing here. We've got this mm-hmm. filled out. A little background. It's something we can even put up online as kind of a summary towards the end. Yeah. Mm. We finally wrote something down about this. Yay! Yay. <laughs> it took us five seasons. <laughs> Continuity, who's she? Space! I think I might have found our our inspiration article. Yeah, so, yeah, let's let's break down real quick. We're going to, off mic, it's brought up that our uh, grand scheme of our world, we're jumping from, uh, as Danny phrased it, chapter four of the first book straight into, like, the end of book three of this uh, teen drama <laughs> series. The uh, YA uh, wrestling adventure in space. And also in Pot of Wonder tradition is, I just went through some random Wikipedia articles uh, <laughs> and I got the 1937 Fox Vault Fire. Uh, this is a fire in the, the film vaults of 20th Century Fox in 1937. Um, just like it was spontaneous combustion just from the gases produced by decaying like film stock and inadequate ventilation and details aside i feel like some kind of damage to the the earth artifacts Mm -hmm. or like Mm -hmm. something like that causes like our our particular group maybe or like society at large to kind of like question what our history is now mm-hmm. maybe there's like a mission to earth to get more history <laughs> and and that's when we discover what uh the rest of the world thinks about 34 i'm uh, maybe okay so thought here what if in the in the earth archives somebody found something tucked away that no one was aware before aware of before like inside of a inside of a tape deck there was a folded up piece of paper something like that like in the in the battery compartment, let's just say. I don't know. We can choose something else, but 
there was a piece of paper that maybe had some sort of like truth or it was like, uh, please help us eat. It's killing us all or something. Oh, the, the teen detective society had that, had actually that, uh, I think a, t- a tape that they could, uh, look at, but weren't sure what it meant. We're like, they're going down to earth for some reason. It's like, Hey, see if you can find something that can play this. Mm-hmm. And like midway through maybe early in book two, they, they learn, like the truth about 34 mm-hmm. and then the rest of book two is them getting back up into space and three mm-hmm. is the whole like mm. that like taking the fight to eat it okay dumb thing there was a thing in the museum labeled a an audio cassette player somebody realized oh no dumb we just plug this into a tv <laughs> and it's not audio it's vi- it's video <laughs> somebody recorded them yeah somebody yeah because they don't really like have full understanding of what the things are mm-hmm. like it's all out of context information it's mm-hmm. like oh well this, this says it's an audio player what do we know mm-hmm. this is like 200 year old technology we just mm-hmm. don't, we just probably don't have the thing to play it it is the recording of the security footage of the last day of the sky of the uh, floating uh, expedition yeah mm-hmm. and it's it's like audio of them interacting with edith to and so, yeah, that's the big change to the teens. They know everything now. <laughs> so the moment when uh, Edith shot, remember when we had the three uh, Earth emissaries come in mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Or, uh, took the oxygen out of the room? Oh, that, yeah. that, yes, they know that too. Well, maybe that, that, ha- that was referenced in the sky bay, in the uh, floating city. Mm-hmm. Like they, they made mention of those people being, uh, being lost by Edith. Yeah. There's references to all the things we've made throughout the season. They they have that conversation with uh, uh, Doctor Rude and Edith, where, where they launch the the wrestle missiles for. for <laughs> wrestle the- <laughs> so yeah, now the teens know everything we do. Yeah. Yay! Yay! Figured out a way to make that happen. Okay, so with that in mind, let's just let's burn through some character creation, and again, should be pretty simple. Um. So we'll start up at the top. Things we already know: names, pronouns, and your role. I well, what are our roles on the wrestling team? Were they specific? Yeah, each wasn't each one of us dedicated to one of the uh, five pillars. There was like the fifth one that was checkers the the like organization and yeah, what have you. But uh, each of you had some sort of area of expertise. Yeah, yeah. like the ghost was visual appeal. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bud was ingenuity. Did Sanctum, did you want to be like physical fitness or puzzles and platformers? Uh, physical fitness seems more Sanctum's thing. Okay, so Jack will be puzzles and platformers then. Or should Titbud be puzzles and Jack can be resourcefulness? I Is that, a- that actually kind of makes more sense, I think. Okay. Okay, Ghost is visuals, Titbuds puzzles, Sanctum is physical fitness, Jack is ingenuity. And as for the traits, for now, just kind of list out three, I don't want to necessarily limit limit it to just adjectives, but just three adjectives or three, like, little just blurbs that describe who this person is. So for Jack, I've got stubborn, sullen, and I'm trying to think of a third ass. Sundere. <laughs> Sundry other things. Sanctum. <laughs> Are Jack and Sanctum an item now? Maybe end of book one, but book two we had that uh missing one teen. Oh yeah. So it's and all a bit up like, in the air. There was like three. some like tension and like they broke up, and then yeah, mm-hmm. like it's like it's you know it's how like YA dystopian things are like you know it's, it's like a ton of like conflict and everything that's like forces the the couple apart for the bulk of it, and then like at mm-hmm. the very end they might be yeah. together. Yeah, that missing one teen is like the moody, edgy, bad kid that we've uh-huh. been really, really been missing. Somehow moodier and edgier than Jack. And I, somehow. Uh, I might make them as an NPC for uh, is, that our, is that our love triangle? Is that our third love triangle person? <laughs> Just two sad sacks. 
god. <laughs> but it's not in the organized way that Edith arranges it, so there's a lot more tension. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it that it's that was almost forbidden. It's a tr- ooh. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a triangle that is very much not stable. All right. Uh, does everyone have their traits? Yeah. Sanctum is strong, honest, and uh, I I didn't really know how to phrase this, but power of friendship. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Sounds good. Yeah. I got stubborn, sullen, and independent. <laughs> 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 All right. For Titbud, um, record keeper, philosopher, and pride, comma mm-hmm. hurt. <laughs> for for ghosts, I picked weird, mycologist, and dazzling. <laughs> okay, so the way stats rolling for anything works is you've got you've got three primary stats: mental, physical, and social. Um, and each of those has skills attached to it. Um, and note that there are blanks because part of this involves, at least during this process, making up a skill that's you know fits your character is kind of unique to them. Um, and mm. it's is a little more specific. Um, but to start off, you're going to choose your stat die. You're going to put uh, a d6 in two of those stats and a d4 in another, in the third. So uh, you got to kind of choose where your where your teen is kind of their their weakest. Okay. So you're going to select four skills, and uh, up to one of them can be uh, one you create yourself. So you can either just choose okay. four that are already here, but you also have the ability to to kind of toss in something a little more flavorful. Are these like things that you're that you have problems with or that you're good at? These managing? are things you can you're you're good at. So the way the okay. way the skills work, and maybe I should explain this, if it's a skill you know, so okay. let's just say you've mm-hmm. got one of your known skills is athletics. Kind of how nimble you are if you're you know, if you're dexterous, good at climbing stuff. If that's known and you have a D6 there, you'd roll 2D6 and choose the highest. Um, but if, let's just say, you don't have that as one of your skills, you just roll 1D6 and accept the result. How would a bespoke thing work? Bespoke? Uh, sorry, if, if, I sol- if I make up my own, mm. you, how would that work? It's It kind of depends on how what you choose and how you would use it in a given situation. So, I mean, it could be like a signature wrestling move, or it could be a part of your personality coming forward. It's it's kind of open. Okay. It kind of depends on how you want to play this character. Uh, I, I initially started designing this game as something a, little, a lot more rigid, and where, you know, items would have very, very specific things, and you had a whole separate system of feats, and... They'd affect skills this way. And I stripped all that out because it was, one, a pain in the ass to come up with and just was getting less fun for me. And I right. then I realized, like, that's going to be no no fun for anyone. So later on, you'd be able to use XP to kind of craft your own custom skills, too. Um, so you could toss these in later in the game. So, yeah, in short, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to stick with what you've got, then, because I can easily pick four mm-hmm. out of the um, so I picked two in mental and two in social and left physical alone because I took my four there. And that it makes sense in your system. Yeah. Yeah. I, hey, well, this is the first time anyone else is creating characters. I've never really played a game with it. I mean, hey, to me, it makes sense. <laughs> well, you know what? It's really cool to be able to ask the person that created the system what makes sense. <laughs> and you're, hey, you're, you're, making, you're asking good questions, too. So this is all, all helpful. I and so as you're picking these out, you'll, what you'll also get to do to one of the skills that you know, because you have to have, know the, the skill to, to add ranks to it, you'll add a plus one in the ranks column to any of those four. And this is just a one uh, you add. This is a, a bonus you add to the roll. So, yeah, as you're rolling your die, just always add that. And we only add that plus one to one of the things that we know? Yes. Okay, cool. And Done. The, and the way like XP leveling works, it's XP. Your experience is just a pool that you that you earn over time throughout the game, and you can use it whenever you have a, like a rest. Mm. Uh, and you can use that to add ranks to existing skills. Uh, mm. If you you know you feel your character has, you know, through their experience in the in the game, maybe using the skill a couple times, you think it would, it's now a known one for them. You'd be able to do that with XP. Cool. It's like Star Wars game. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, with the XP. Rules. Of, like yeah, with the XP, like at, using that to up your abilities mm-hmm. and certain um, skills rather than like a set level. If we can go back up to the top, we have plans. Something that gives the, a little more control to the players. You have the ability to lay down plans, and um, I'll send over the sheet after this. But uh, what it is is you're you ha- you can putting something face down in defense mode, and so, so the example I give in in the book is something to do with like an espionage mission, and you're walking through the corridor, and, and uh, you think you're you think you're coming up on a, a point of tight security, but earlier in the game you said, okay, I, I knew we're coming to this point, so. I'm going to mess with the guards somehow ahead of time. So you've got, you kind of lay out on a sheet of paper, uh, something you did beforehand. Uh, the, the flashback scene in a heist movie. Okay. And, uh, you know, you, it, there's a trigger point, um, and you can have multiple plans going on at a time. Um, but you only have so many steps you can spend off. So if you had a bunch of plans, they'd all have to be very simple. Um, so you've got a, an overall plan score. Um, the max. So what you put in mental, the maximum for that, mm. that is your plan score. So that determines how many you can have in play, as well as the maximum number of steps you can take across those plans. And I, the reason I have them as two separate things because items could potentially affect that down the line. Items are mm. a broad, open-ended thing that again is more up to the discretion of the the machine master and the players. But we'll get into those in a second. So that available steps will decrease as you kind of lay out plans. Um, but yeah, for now, just kind of fill those both out with the same number. So if you chose the D4 there, it'd be four. If you chose the D6, it'd be six. And yeah, it gives the, gives the player an edge to say, haha, I thought of a thing. Mm-hmm. We're going to con it in. That, that sounds like Maria-style play. <laughs> <laughs> the last kind of thing we'll touch here, and you can fill out other details later, um, but possessions, uh, they work a little differently. Um, possessions do anything like a gun or any sort of weapon. While you're using it, it yeah, it gives you the ability to use a skill or provides a bonus to a skill you already have. We can maybe discuss the the ins and outs of the the bonuses and like later because I, I don't want to drag this on too much. But maybe just kind of let's let's figure out what kinds of things do you have on your person right now. At this point, at the end of book three, what kinds of things do your teens have? So, like, I might have the yak back that the teen mm-hmm. society mm-hmm. had collected. Oh, okay. I like that. Like a, my, Mushrooms and spores. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Okay. That's going to be fun figuring out what those bonuses are. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll figure that out on the on the Discord. I think your ghost doesn't really have a whole lot else. Like, <laughs> yeah, it just I, doesn't really. They're mm-hmm. they're they're pretty chill with just their their shrooms. <laughs> Meg, what does what does Sanctum own? As as the I, I feel like uh, we we need to know more about this uh, protagonist, this driving force of the saga. <laughs> Um, I mean, obviously he still has the brooch that, um, that Jack gave him at prom. Mm. That, I think that <laughs> by this point in the story, like, there's been, like, the whole confession, mm-hmm. and yeah, they yeah. dated and broke up, but, like, like, Sanctum still has that brooch, um, with the Jack in the Box, um, guy on him. Um, <laughs> Like if we're like in book three, then he's probably been through like some kind of. Um... What if you got like the because you were a previously like a comic book kind of inspired hero? What if you got like a like a edgier like dark costume? Yeah, like, like Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I like that. What What's the the Nightwing of of Sanctum Robin? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think. His colors are still like kind of primary, but he ditched the yellow and uh, just like they're darker, so like navy blue instead of like that royal mm, primary blue, and cool. like you know like a burgundy instead of like bright red, like a, a like a purposefully torn, cape. yeah, like a tattered cape, maybe mm-hmm. like some studs on his um, lots like, lots of belt pouches, belts. yeah, 
How many are we? Are you aiming at us having? It's kind of what's reasonable. It's not, you know, there's no shop to buy things from. Again, it's what what's, what makes sense for this character. We're also jumping into the story, so it's a little, it's a lot more flexible. If you want to roll up a random article or something to kind of, for inspiration, in true <clears throat> Pot of Wonder fashion, feel free, but don't, you don't have to. It's just kind of what feels right for you. Random article I rolled was Jason Voorhees. <laughs> oh. I think Jack has a mask now. Yes. <laughs> what does the mask look like? What I, if on Earth, like he found an old Jack in the Box restaurant, and they had like the mascot suit in there? So he's just got this like it, it's sort of like the the clown in American Horror Story uh, mm-hmm. freak show. Yes, where it's just like this. This started out kind of like a normal looking mask, but through just like <laughs> sheer dirtiness and damage, it's like a creepy thing now. I do, I do love that mask idea. That is, I think, super creepy. Like I, I thought like, well, if Sanctum's kind of going dark, like, what if Jack got really happy? But that'd be, <laughs> I, I couldn't think of a way to do that. Well, the mask is smiling, so I don't have to. That's like the pull quote on the back of the book. The mask uh-huh. is smiling, so I don't have to. The teens are back from Earth and are clearly affected <laughs> by their experience. <laughs> oh my fucking god, I feel like I need to mock up these covers. Um, anybody else come up with uh, fun possessions? Yeah, I will list mine out. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've got the yak back. <laughs> um, a notebook on a, on a fob, so uh, like a, on a little like watch chain kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wearing, still wearing my great coat. And uh, I would like to have a Montblanc pen. A what pen? Montblanc. They're really expensive, fancy uh, ink pens with refillable cartridges. They're like okay, one hundred dollars a fancy, a fancy pen. Uh, I can I I gotta say this. I'm so grateful y'all are testing this with me. Uh, <laughs> this has been just a pipe dream I've had for years now. <laughs> And for Aww. other people to be interacting with it brings Yay. me a great, great deal of joy. And I couldn't think of better people to test this out with. So, so Aww, thank you all. Yeah. I'm really glad. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I'm excited. Yeah. And y- y'all yeah. already made some, some great suggestions and, and asked great questions that kind of made me think about this. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's all been great so far. This has been Pod of Wonder. You can find us on Twitter at Pod of Wonder, and you can email us at podofwonder at gmail.com. I'm Danny. You can find me on Twitter at DannyPlaysRPGs, and you can find the games I make at DannyMakesRPGs.itch.io. I'm Morgan. You can find me on Twitter at OwlBurning and on Instagram at MorganTheFay. Hi, Maria, and you could follow me on social media, but you wouldn't see any posts. And I'm Eddie. You can find me on Instagram at MonstersByEd, and you can find the games I make at Strange But True Games. Look for the Flying Butt logo. Our opening theme is Opening by Komiku. Our closing theme is Calm the Fuck Down by Broke for Free. 